Welcome to the podcast, peeps. Your host, Paul Evans here. And we've got a special show lined up today. Two special guests. We're talking Blue Juice with the main man. JC is his character in the film. Sean Pertwee is his name in real life. He'll be joining us down the line alongside the director of Blue Juice, Carl Pachiza. Super cool to catch up with those two and get their insights from the shooting of the film and a little bit of just general chit-chat on life itself. Don't forget, you can still get tickets. Uh, they're going fast, but there's still a few on sale. Get a wavelengthmag.com. Check out the deals for the weekend of 24th, 25th, 26th. That is Wavelength Drive-In Cinema from the clifftops of Cornwall. We're kicking off with the iconic British surf movie, Blue Juice. But we've also got Point Break, Dogtown and Z-Boys. A bunch of cool movies going all the way through every weekend until the beginning of September. So make sure you get your tickets to Drive-In Cinema. And Sean Pertwee is, of course, making an appearance that first weekend as well. He'll be celebrating the 25th anniversary of the movie. And while you're getting your tickets for Drive-In Cinema, don't forget to check out our fantastic subscriptions offers as well to premium print editions of Wavelength. Our summer issue has just dropped. It's an absolute cracker. So two issues of the magazine, plus some very special gifts as well for subscriptions so check out those offers and enjoy the show what about surfing have you been been surfing lately do you get get to the coast much dude no i mean the thing is we're in manhattan in manhattan we were, i was working on a show called gotham for the last yeah. six six years um yeah. friends of mine used to go to uh, rock away, so I could so the toilet it looked really uninviting with sort of <laughs> you know pads floating around it. I, yeah. I went out there once, and it was in the middle of the winter because it's either incredibly hot in New York or, or cold. You know yeah. they do big weather there, so I didn't surf there. Um, I haven't. I'm ashamed to say surfed a great deal really um, because of my job, and uh, and I was told by Rob and Steve and stuff like that that you'll just be a fly by night, you know, when you finish the film. Uh, on the contrary, actually, when I finished Blue Juice, I actually went surfing. I went to, I went to Bali, I went to Costa Rica. Um, but I spent some two months living on the beach of this, this guy. This, his, his friend was this Hawaiian dude that could surf anything. And I mean, literally anything. He used to surf like a sun lounger foam mattress, <laughs> but he had a pop out. He had a pop out without a leash. And I've got to say, I suddenly realized a gentleman of my age, when I finished, you know, when we shot Blue Juice, I learned when I was 30. I'm um, in a very, very compressed period of time. Yep. Um, but surfing without a leash was a new experience for me because it's a long swim. Uh, it's going to get you <laughs> bored. So, you, you, I, it, I, honestly, it taught me a great lesson. Then after that, like I said, I went to, I went to Bali, I went to all these different places. But, uh, no, surfing, I, I haven't been doing a great deal of. I kind of missed it, you know, but it's so, so fascinating. It was so funny seeing Steve and Gabe and, and Rob at the Driftwood Spas when I went down there with my wife and I didn't really realize how many souls were sort of touched by, I'm not saying by the sort of how remarkable the film was, but certainly about Cole and uh, Pete Sami's sort of attitude towards employing people—they they sort of re- sort of remembered us. And like you know, hearing that it's the 25th anniversary, one fills me with fucking dread, <laughs> and two, um, it also I find ex- I find extraordinary how many, like I said, how many souls were touched. That you know, the litmus test is if you were in the rave scene, 
like or you knew someone that was in it or one of your parents that's how old we are how old i am <laughs> that uh it was it's almost like a badge now you must get a sticker <laughs> when when the project first came about like did you i guess probably seen point break that had come out a couple of years earlier that was like I guess most people's kind of semi in on the culture. What were your thoughts about Stefan at the time? Or thought it was a, I thought it was a, um, like a, a, a sort of like a joke, really. The idea of surfing community in Cornwall. I had no idea. <laughs> now, myself, like you said, Point Break was a huge um, uh, the raised more piqued my interest really. But the thing was, when I actually started to understand, and when I started living, I went down there three months before we started shooting, and Ewan came down for a bit as well. He didn't really need to, though. Do you know what I mean? Because he was supposed to not be able to serve. He just came down for a jolly. Um, but he, like, me, me and him, we went down. I spent, I spent three months down there with Rob and Steve. And I, I, the more I watched, the more I saw the whole thing about running into the water, about where you, which way you hold the board. Everything became so apparent to me. And I thought, I really do not want to, uh, you know, I never considered myself a method actor. But I, when you start to understand, you realize how infuriating things are. Um, so although I, you're absolutely right, there was a great deal about Point Break that I love. But when I, the more I looked at Keanu paddling, the more angry I got. I thought, I'm not going <laughs> to effing do that. And so I, was, I became obsessed. And they thought, and, they, and, and Rob, they, they got one of the shapers to make me a board. That, um, it's very clever, actually. It was, it was a thruster, but... It was wider and it was, it was thick. It had more sort of flotation. They put these stripes down to make it look narrower. But the closer we got to shooting, the, the better I got. But just like I sort of said, there was, there was, there was uh, uh, points, that things I, I certainly didn't want to do that were highlighted by Keanu in Point Break, really. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and then they, I, they threw me the deep end at the sense of sort of, I'd like to say, I mean, I've never seen any more terrifying in my life. I don't know why I got in. I went over the foot of the point in the Santa and I went over the falls one time and, the, and I got, you know, in the washing machine, spat out on the beach, snapped the end of my board and everything completely freaked out. And they said, if you don't get back in, you never will. And I got back in and I got one. So, and that's in the film. So possibly the proudest moment I've ever done in my life. I've never actually been more scared in my life as well when that thing came in. Actually, I read this thing with Steve. It's really interesting seeing Steve and Rob again, hearing it from their perspective 25 years later. Yeah. And it's just their impersonation, my reaction when this like sort of 10-foot solid came in, the speed it comes off that point. And, uh, and he, when, when even Steve went, he said, just get off your board now and swim to the bottom. But anyway, having said that, yeah. I was very proud to be accepted by them and to be able to actually stand up, stand on the board. You know, and that was a really big. So you guys got in Lanzarote. I was talking to uh, Gabe Jesus. Davies during the week, and he said it was it stayed, it was huge, and just stayed big for for a week or something. It did, and it, again, things get slightly uh, perverse over the years, over twenty five years. But when we flew in, and Rob pointed out the window of the plane, the, the waves were higher than the hotel. Right. I mean, it was only a two-story hotel, but he even went, because he had to come off that wave many, many times. And he has a different reason for that, being that, you know, he may have got paid per, per, per wipeout. <laughs> but I also feel there was definitely a bit of that going on. <laughs> yeah. How's things with you, Cole? Good. And um, we're talking blue juice, right? 25 years ago. Um, Jesus. Yeah, oh, the 90s, a different, it was a different time. We were just reflecting on, uh, JC was worried about turning 30. I guess that would, that's, feels like a bit of a luxury now, doesn't it? 
50 yeah, cents. Yeah, that's mate. done. That's dusted. <laughs> I was old then. How did that happen? <laughs> um, Carl, just um, you did you? Am I right in thinking that you co-wrote the or you co-wrote the screenplay? Yeah, I did. It was based on an idea by a very old friend of mine who actually was the became the second unit director on the film, um, who who met a girl from Yuki, funny enough, spent a lot of time down there, and then came back and started telling me about a scene I didn't really know very much about. You know, we managed to kind of scrounge a huge research budget out of Channel 4 and you know, went and selected a tent and surfed at Senan. And it was, it, was, it was a coincidence that we, we came back via Yuki and there was a surf comp on... And there were these two guys. I mean, I think I think Rob wrote about it in the piece, piece that he wrote for Wavelength, because monstrously hungover, you know, <laughs> doing this surf comp. And there was, you know, there was Rob and Steve. And we started talking to Rob and Steve. And like they say, the rest is history. So you come up with this script, you get film four, trying to afford to cough up some dough, where you like, get me Pertwee. It's got to be partly for the lead. No, I've got to say, originally, I mean, it, what I loved, I saw the cutter, which, which uh, these guys did, Carl and Pete did, which I absolutely blew me away. And I, it was one of those things where I would have, and I was working quite a lot at that time. And um, I, I desperately wanted to work with the guys that created the short, the cutter. Um, and anyway, this, this came about. And there was a, they had a very in-depth sort of uh process and originally i read for the dj didn't i carl i think you might have done yeah yeah i, I it was I, I didn't actually initially go up for jc that was the thing and then when i met the guys and we workshopped it i started to yeah it was stevie mackintosh's part and i think that ben chaplin was up for it or something but then but we workshopped done it. this really brilliant character in a movie called london kills me He'd done this really funny, you know I, don't know, I don't know if it's because, you know, slight German heritage in your past or whatever, but <laughs> Sean had nailed this character in, in a way that, that comedians do, actually, you know, in, a, in a way that you, you only, you have to kind of know the culture and know the people and, to be able to get that character. And then you've got a kind of, not making an impersonation. So, you yeah, know, yeah. I always thought that Sean was very funny, you know, and that there was this, you know, energy that was a possibility that was sort of above and beyond what was just, you know, a main character. Before you came on, uh, Carl, Sean, I was just chatting about Point Break. Obviously, that came out a few years before. That took itself a little bit seriously. It was kind of quite American with some of the themes and the FBI and quite sort of self Was this, yeah. did, did Blue Juice feel maybe like a sort of British riposte, like a little bit more self-deprecating, a little bit sort of funnier? And the interesting thing with the development of the script was that, you know, it, it's a time when, you know, and rightly so, kind of British films and Channel 4 wanted to make films about the UK or at least films which, yeah. you know, were leading towards that. And, and the original script, I mean, Sean will remember this, the original script was kind of much more about characters from St Agnes, you know. It's like, you know it's like living in Cornwall? It's like the summer is one place and then the winter comes yeah. and it's like all the tourists go and then suddenly parts of it get really bleak and the things that people do to survive. 
there was it was much more about these characters, you know, set locally. And then, you know, Channel 4 understandably wanted to make it something a bit more universal. What can we do that 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 feels a bit more like it could be anywhere in a good way? And and that's when you know, the crew came in. That was when the idea of... I mean, it was like the hangover before the hangover. You know, a bunch of guys yeah. get together because someone's getting married and it, and it all goes wrong. And, you know, that felt like a really a really good idea. So, the, the you know, with J.C. Shaw's character, the, the surfing sort of went down a bit and yeah. the, the attempt to make it more of a character study came up a bit. But, but Point Break was the absolute bane of my life you know <laughs> we tried so hard to get those guys from the islands and from LA you know to work with us in the Canaries and it was just yeah. like yeah. it was like a Hollywood nightmare they were like yeah you know we'll come in with you know there'll be five of us you know, and we you know we'll use the choppers over the bay you know and I was like <laughs> we don't have any of that we've got like Sean and his mates and a couple of cameras <laughs> on the point of La Santa. What do you think? And they were like, yeah, where's La Santa? South of Venice? And we were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just... But I went initially, I was, I've got to say, big up to, to Carl for letting me go on on the on the surf. In, it was in December. Um, they actually felt that I was capable of doing some of it because I, I was desperate to, to do it. And that was a big motivator for me when we were shooting, was to be able to go and actually try and attempt to be on film doing it. I guess, you know, we talk about the 90s being 25 years ago and all that, but it does also feel like there was this cool story that people didn't really know about. It feels like there isn't that much, there aren't that many sort of scenes that are sort of hidden anymore or that the, 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 the mainstream doesn't know about people living a completely different sort of lifestyle than, I don't know, people in London or whatever. I mean, you're right, but I think this is, there's a contradiction going on there, which is that, you know, I've made a film for the BBC before that about about travellers and about, you know, people living in vans and people looking for kind of an alternative way of life and rejecting kind of, you know, you know, the job, the office, the whole kind of thing. And, and yeah. you know, there's an element of that in Blue Juice. But what was weird was that after that, in the 90s and the two, you know, it's like everybody suddenly became really serious. Yeah. I know, it's true, very true. And no one was escaping, you know what I mean? It's like you sort of thought everybody was going to, like, you know, do what they did in the 60s and say, you know, I'm out of here. But the, the absolute reverse happened. As I was talking to Steve the other day, you know, it became about, you know, the kitchen extension and, you know, how far can I stretch my mortgage? You know, and it didn't mean you were going to travel to Bali and live on a beach for two years, you know what I mean? I mean... People who surfed and surfers and so on and so forth, and people that are into the water and people that were into traveling, for sure that carried it on. But but now it's like it's a bucket list thing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'll go to Bali to surf, not because I want to go to Bali to surf, but it's on the bucket list, right? Yeah, yeah. I paddled out at wherever and I can say I did. It's what it feels like to me. So you finished finished the film it comes out and gets a pretty good pretty good reception overall we we sort of surprised by how well it was received particularly i'm just thinking in the sort of surf community in, down on the southwest were you quite surprised by how how well it was received by surfers i mean everyone i think we would have been i think we would have been dead 
if it hadn't been well received, Sean, wouldn't we? I mean, you know, it's like know, we were our mates, you know what I mean? Yeah. We couldn't like we couldn't make it talk from a surfing point of view, they would have been, you know. <laughs> they seem to they, but it is remembered with, with a great deal of love, which being you know, being a sort of a shouspieler, being an actor moving back to London, there's something I did really sort of appreciate your experience. The fact that people actually that I think we sort of mentioned this earlier on that the people actually who come from Cornwall that that that, uh, that were employed in the movie, people look, remember it with a great deal of affection, and it's something that I wasn't really aware of. And because it was, it feels naive now. It felt actually, to be, if I'm really brutally honest, I think that it felt slightly naive by the time that it came out by the people that lived in Cornwall. Now it's become a stalwart. It's become a sort of like a, a like a post-it mark in a book where they go, oh, and it, it, that's what I'm. I'm so surprised, and I'm so pleased about hence we're going down Carl and I going down for the for the uh, the drive through premiere and everything the fact that yeah. that the people want us there and they they love the film it's amazing that I don't find it amazing because it was the best experience of my life and I genuinely mean that when anyone asks me what was your favorite experience in any other job any job I always say blue juice because the, the only thing that got in the way was filming quite frankly <laughs> a lot of the time we, we had so much fun and we really sort of embodied it whether people like it or not, and, and the people that can vouch for us were the runners and the ADs and also the surfers, who were also all Cornish. You know, Sean's right. I mean, it did absolutely change a lot of people's lives. I mean, we did yeah. go somewhere that had had, you know, bits and pieces of TV, you know. But I think that, I mean, we, we, we owe a great sort of debt to the... To the to our real executive producer was a guy called Simon Ralph, who sadly is is no longer with us. And you know, Simon had grown up in the movie industry. You know, his dad was a big producer. You know, back in the kind of fifties and sixties. And you know, Simon's philosophy was always very kind of family orientated. You know what I mean? He wanted everybody to be involved. He wanted to create a family. He wanted to treat everybody equally, he turned a local uh, factory into a, into a studio where we filmed and, and yeah. he, he found everybody, he got everybody involved. You know, there was a real, there was a real fashion at the time, you know, that the juggernaut moves into town, you know, with all the kind of sparks from London, you sort of take over and then you leave. And Simon didn't want it to be like that. He wanted it to be authentic. And so I agree there's a naivety about it, but I think what's nice is it's genuine. You know, Sean got in at La Santa in the point, it's Sean surfing because Sean had loved it and surfed and got a bit obsessed and it was all real. What I mean, Carlo, is is not naive exactly, but naive like it, just in the story that it, it told because it was a much a, it was a naive period of time. Just yeah. reception saved your ass because yeah. the fact there was no reception in Cornwall that yeah. made it. You felt, you you know, you felt a, a sort of hermetically sealed down in Cornwall. Yeah. There's there's a charm to it. I think that when you say, you know, were we surprised that people liked it at the time? What I'm more surprised by and more touched by is the fact that people like it now. I mean, come on, yeah, twenty five years on and. I know a guy in Brighton who watches it every New Year's Day. 
I mentioned it the other day, down at the hot pipes, and this bloke came over and went, you want to blow and make blue juice? I moved to Brighton because of blue juice. And it's that's what you hear yeah. all of the time. And I, I'm true. not sort of, I'm not saying this to be critical, it's just a fact, but it was Film 4's first theatrical release. When we yeah. were in Cannes at the marketplace and the screen was packed out and people were looking to buy the film the next day, Film 4 didn't have an office. People didn't, couldn't buy the film because they couldn't find the guys that were selling the film. And I think that caught them a bit by surprise. And I think his love now is an accumulation of the fact that people have taken it into their hearts, which if they've got it a little bit more, you know, if they've done with it what they were doing with some of the movies at the time. I mean, look at Four Weddings, not to compare it, but with Four Weddings, they opened it in the States to get the buzz to open it in the, in the UK. And I think yeah. that, I think we needed a little bit of, there's this little film around, let people find out it? about it, and then release it, not just chuck it out in September and think everybody's going to come. Never works Yeah, because like in, tr- in the trades in Cannes, I, I never got such good reviews. None of us got such amazing reviews. About um, the community being involved, I can certainly vouch. So I, I went to uni in Plymouth in 95, and everyone in Plymouth... It was either in or claimed every student were dancing in blue juice. Like everyone in my house. Oh, they were in the rave. Everyone they? was like, you, you couldn't meet anyone <laughs> in the Southwest that, that didn't say they were in blue juice dancing on a podium. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for part one. Coming up in part two, some more stories and insights on blue juice. Just another reminder, of course, where you can get those tickets, wavelengthmag.com. Check out our dates, 24th, 25th, 26th of July. That's for Blue Juice. And then we'll be running movies every weekend throughout the summer as Wavelength Drive-In Cinema from the clifftops of Cornwall showing some classic movies throughout this summer. Make sure you check out our subs offer some wicked stuff on there going great guns at the moment. If you like beer, if you like footwear, we've even got a subs offer that involves tickets to come along to the movie screenings as well so make sure you check out those offers a little reminder about the next episode of it's not the length the podcast i do on this channel with my co-host ben mundy that's coming up real soon as well so super fans of it's not the length i know you're out there hold your corner we'll be coming back with that real soon but anyway for the meantime let's get some more chat with sean and carl Sean, this might sound like a bit of a stupid question. Do you ever get influenced by your characters that you play? Do you ever, I mean, do you ever sort of come away and be a little bit more like JC afterwards? Yeah, well, I, well I, I, I genuinely, when we finished shooting Blue Juice, I genuinely um, packed up my boards and I was engaged at the time. And I went to, like I said, I went to Costa Rica, I went all over the place. And I, I felt like I nearly didn't come back in a way. I, I, I fell in love with it. It touched my soul. And, um, um, so that was the nearest I've ever got to, 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 to being touched by something I played. I mean, if I'd said a sort of gangster shoot people in the face, it'd probably be not <laughs> I could probably get arrested. No, but, but uh, that, was, that was one show, the one job that I've ever done in my life, because it was, surfing's a way of life. And I remember Steve England talking about this, sort of saying, it doesn't matter with you, especially with those guys that Carl introduced me to, all of the guys that, from St. Agnes that was known, I think, at the time as a Badlands, but they weren't. They were basically just didn't want uh, people like grockles there. That, that, you, that If you paddle out the back, it touches your soul. 
And it goes, you can talk about one wave. I can still talk about waves now, 25 years later. And I never really understood that until I started doing it. So that was the one show really that's really affected and touched my soul was, was, was Blue Juice. Because the whole thing of, like, I never look at the water the same. I remember all these sort of mantras that I was told by Rob and things like that. Because I grew up in Ibiza in the 60s and stuff like that. And I grew up, I've never, the thing was, I was never scared of water. More for me, quite frankly. I should have been terrified when we went to La Santa. But <laughs> I kind of went, I'll go, I'll do it. And I, no, bad idea. But I, I learned so much on that show, on, on that job but it wasn't really a job we became i became more bothered about being accepted by them in cornwall than than uh than anything else really and i think that's what if i got anything right in the movie i think that's that's what it was which really basically is jc is that he did he had the same background as i he went down there wasn't accepted eventually was accepted and liked and that's the you know the biggest thing i think i've ever achieved in my life that and getting up on a on a board on a gnarly wave i never look at the water the same i never look at the sea the same i always look at rips i always look where something's coming off what you know touch my soul what about we mentioned that it's been 25 years what do we think um what would jc be doing now what what's he where's his life at is he is he getting airbnbs ready it's coming down what's what's he doing now where is he how's his back He'd probably be absolutely loaded because we have that lovely shirt, you know, the surf shack on the beach. Yeah, you know, he, no, didn't go, he didn't He didn't go on the safari with Catherine Zeta-Jones. He basically yeah. bought a, like a prime location right on the beach. He'd be absolutely minted. He'd be, he'd be living the dream, basically. He'd do The thing is, it's like the remarkable thing about sort of seeing Steve and Rob who'd been living in, in um, the Canaries for so long. I went down to St. Aggie, Carl, and I saw them all. Um, and with Steve as well, he's a, he's the epitome of a soul surfer. You know, that's what I loved about it. He was the calming spirit, the cool hand on your forehead when you start freaking out and everything. And he has lived the dream. Editor, our editor, editor at Carp has a beautiful family, lives down there yeah, and works with SAS still and everything like that. I think that's what JC would be. Good comes to good. And in all honesty, I was being facetious before, but I, but I really genuinely mean that. It was really lovely seeing them and how beautiful those people still are, you know, how, how the surfing has affected their change that will be in their life, the waters in their blood. Any thoughts about a BJ2? <laughs> Hashtag BJ2? <laughs> Hashtag BJ2. Lots of thoughts. You know, what's interesting about anything that becomes... And number two is, you know, things have changed, haven't they? You know, it's a yeah. bit like, you know, the Hangover. I mentioned the Hangover series already. You know, it's like you can keep rolling them out. Well, Train Spying would be a similar timeline, right? That came out a couple of years ago, T20. Yeah, and I think that that makes me think that what would be, I mean, in a, in a way, Sean's just been talking about it. You know, I'd be fascinated to know maybe what one or two of the characters would be doing. Not so much the gang. The gang feels a bit... Does it feel like people want to see that formation again? I don't know. I quite I quite like... I mean, it's almost like going back to the original idea and doing the pure, pure surfing movie. I mean, have you ever come across a book called Dogs of Winter? Kem Nunn. I mean... It's an amazing book, you know, a, a kind of 
you know, not that it's blue juice, but a thriller or, you know, what happens to the guy that, you know, he gets to a certain age and maybe he hasn't done what we've been talking about. It isn't good. Do you know what I mean? What do you think, Sean? Going back to what we were talking about earlier on, I think that it was the naivety, but not, but it was a time that was becoming a, a very aware, which I was a part of um, with films like, and the antithesis being basically train spotting and these gnarly kind of street movies. But we were doing a romantic soft comedy where people basically intrinsically are nice to each other. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So I think that to replicate that, it was at a time of change. And I think that um, we've changed considerably, irrevocably. And I think maybe, Carl, we should talk about this. Maybe it's our children. <laughs> think about it because those kids have grown up watching something like Blue Juice, harking to a period basically where things were simpler, maybe. And, um, and maybe that, that, that's the way forward. So in that capacity, yeah, maybe a two, but with the younger generation. I remember the thing that got me uh, massively, I remember being so impressed by, was the youth, was the kids in St. Agnes and stuff. And I remember being, first couple of days I get to be taught all these lessons, I just basically go and hang out with the guys. I remember throwing a, a bit of plastic um, coffee stirrer, a broken bit on, the, uh, on St. Agnes, but just on the, on the beach. And this, and this little kid said, what are you doing? Pick it up. What are, you, what are you doing? And I remember thinking, right, this kid's absolutely right. And how dare I to be so acutely aware? And then going back again recently and seeing how Cornwall is now and how beautiful it is and how they've saved it. And I thought Steve was being facetious when he said, I said, look, Jackie and I are down for the weekend. Love to see you go to Nathan's restaurant and stuff like that. Love to see you. You went, you went great. I've got to go meet Prince Charles. <laughs> I, went, I went, yeah, of course you have. And he went, I mean, now you know what? He probably is going to go meet Prince Charles. He was because the SAS, in many yeah. respects, have actually won. Um, not won. You know what I'm saying? That, 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 that by being so protective about their coast and making people so aware that we're down, they're getting the waste pipes further out. And everything. Things like that really, really impressed me. And going back to the little ute man, when I chucked a bit of plastic on the ground, something like that about, about going back, because back is, is good. I think that we, it was all time for change and greed. And what's happening now is it's calming down. There's a real respect for the Cornish coastline. See, I've got this idea that actually now is the time to teach young people to be a bit more gnarly. I think everybody's got a lot of stuff. And, you know, we didn't have stuff then like people have now. You know what I mean? It's a bit like everybody's got everything, you know, so they don't want for anything or everybody's got nothing. You know, it's these these extremes, and I quite like the idea that Sean's talking about, that you've, you've got this bunch of kids that are, you know, it's almost like the reverse of the renegades, you know? And yeah. the parents are like, well, we need to teach them to be a bit gnarly, because unless they get a bit gnarly, what? Teach them to be bad, you know? Teach them to be super bad. Because obviously, you know, sorry, for me, it's always got to be a comedy. It can't be yeah. point break, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just away from the film, you guys have obviously inspired a lot of people with this film and, and other work, but uh, just bigger, bigger sort of themes. Are we, all, are we fucked? Planet's burning, the killer clowns are in charge. Are we going to make it, guys? How are we, how, how we going to get out of this? I think there was a lot of good that came out of this, actually, about just about looking to yourself and looking to people around you and actually really, really, really what matters. And I... Uh, that's a romantic sort of overview. You know, there's a lot of people who are a lot less fortunate than me. Um, 
And uh, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a terrifying world, you know. But having lived in America and then coming back and seeing what's happening to my friends over there is just fucking terrifying. Yeah, you know, with everything that's going off, you know, it's um, it's one thing after another. The sort of the boil has been lanced over there, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a it's a it's a scary time, but it's it's a necessary time. I think we'll be all right because I saw glimmers of. Of, of love and kindness and things I haven't seen in this country for, for forever, you know, including self. I, you know, you educate yourself, you know, with everything that's happened, Black Lives Matter and everything like that, it's calming down and educating yourself and being aware of what's around you. When was the last day? It had to happen. Everything had to happen for a reason. It's a perfect storm. Um, listen, guys, thanks so much for your time. It's been wicked catching up with you. And... Um, it's going to be awesome having you down. Cheers, boys. Okay, now. Bye, now. <laughs> one, no bye. fear. One life, See no you. fear. See you, mate. See you, yeah, bye. one life, no fear. Oi, oi. <laughs>